0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch coming up on
2: this Wednesday edition. You interpret the language that way. I was talking to the troops. We're talking about helping train the troops in that are the, the Ukrainian troops that are in Poland. That's with the context. I sat there with those guys for a couple hours. That's what we talked about. So when you said you're going to see when you're there, you were not intending to I was to see referring to with, be with and talking with the uh, Ukrainian troops that were in Poland. That was President Biden
1: yesterday at a press conference. Did he blow the lid on a covert operation? Could statements like that escalate the conflict with Russia? Retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin is here with an update. We'll also discuss the instability that is spreading around the world with five terrorist attacks in Israel over the last two weeks. The good news out of Finland this morning. Pave Razanin, the Finnish member of parliament on trial for hate speech, was found not guilty. The trial had rightfully been dubbed the Bible trial. In the victory, though, is a warning. We'll talk with a member of her legal team from Alliance Offending Freedom, Lorcan Price later here on Washington Watch and growing concern as more is learned about the record of Katanji Brown Jackson.
2: The past year has taught us how painful Washington Democrat policies can be for hardworking Americans. The administration needs to stop trying to dig this hole any deeper
1: we'll get to the right clip a little bit later that was uh, Republican Senator Mitch McConnell earlier today he was talking on the Senate floor about uh, Katanji Brown we'll pull that clip in just a moment for chairman of the uh, the former chairman of the House Freedom Caucus and member of the House Judiciary Committee Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs will join me to talk about the president's nomination for the Supreme Court and more corona collusion uncovered new evidence reveals the center for disease control essentially allowed the American Federation of Teachers, to write the government's policy on when and how schools would reopen. Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss is here on that. And continuing on the education front, FRC's Meg Kilgannon joins me with how the U.S. Department of Education is pushing President Biden's transgender ideology in local schools in Virginia over the objection of parents, as well as how school officials are circumventing laws banning CRT in the classroom. All that and more coming up on this edition of Washington Watch. If you miss anything, you can find it all later. It's archived at TonyPerkins.com along with contact information for our guest. Our verse for today coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan is Numbers chapter 31 verse 6. And Moses sent them to the war, a thousand from each tribe, together with Phineas, the son of Eleazar the priest, with the vessels of the sanctuary and the trumpets for the alarm in his hand. The presence of the priest was a reminder that the real battles are fought and won in the heavens, and so it is with us. In Ephesians chapter six, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We need to continually remind ourselves that our battle is spiritual. To join us in our two-year Bible reading plan, go to FRC.org slash /bible. Also, I invite I invite you to join me each morning at 8:44 a.m. Eastern Time for a daily devotion based upon our Bible reading plan. You can find it here at TonyPerkins.com or on my Facebook page. And again, we need to know where to put our efforts and energy in promoting Washington Watch. So let me know how you watch or listen to Washington Watch. Simply text the word poll P O L L to 67742. And I'll send you a list of the ways you can tune in. And if you'll do that, that'll be extremely helpful to us. Again, text the word POLL to 67742. Well, the war in Ukraine continues, and despite Russian claims of scaling back attacks, cities in Ukraine say the assaults have continued. As I mentioned earlier at a press conference yesterday, President Biden said the U.S. was training Ukrainian troops in Poland. But the White House and Pentagon officials have been walking back that claim. Is there a reason? Joining us now with the latest on the war in Ukraine is FRC's executive vice president, the former deputy undersecretary of defense for intelligence, also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force, General Jerry Boykin. General, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. All right. First, let's start with President Biden yesterday at this press conference uh, being uh, queried by a Fox reporter about his statements to troops in Poland First, suggesting maybe he was talking about sending U.S. troops into Ukraine, and the president said, no, I was talking to the Ukrainian troops that were training in Poland. Uh, he, he did and, and since then, we've seen the White House trying to walk it back. Did the president <laughs> inadvertently uh, blow the cover on a, a covert operation? Well,
3: uh, it certainly seems that that's a, a distinct possibility, Tony. He has been so concerned about uh, – Escalation, escalation, everything was escalation uh, and a reason for not doing things. And and so now if we do have uh, Americans in there training with the uh, Ukrainians or if we have an intention of sending Americans in there to train with the Ukrainians, then he just blew the lid off of that. There's nothing illegal about it. The problem is if it is going to be done under the restrictions and the the regulations that that, uh, govern covert action, then he just made a major security breach because covert
1: action, by definition, is deniable. Right. And again, it's not like this hasn't been done before. It certainly has been done. But the point is, is the president inadvertently leading to escalation by saying things that he shouldn't be saying. And that is what it appears to be. You know, you
3: when you, I guess when you're the president of the United States and you've got a, a lot of things swirling around in your mind, uh, then you forget which, sometimes which ones are, are, are highly classified, right. you know, and something like this. I think that he just – he speaks a lot of times without thinking. That's why uh,
1: people don't realize how how the president has to be on the top of his game. And so much that the president said is scripted for that very reason because the president is briefed every day on what is happening. I mean not just when you have a war going on in Ukraine, but every day he Mm -hmm. receives a briefing on the hot spots around the world, the threats to the United States. All that's contained within his mind. And it's, it's easy for something to inadvertently come out. That's why it's, it's really, really frightening when presidents go off script. Yeah, and he has such a terrible habit
3: of doing that. And this is, I mean, this is uh, just a, a repeat of some of the other things that he has said that got everybody's attention and, and wondered, you know, when he talked about responding in kind to a, a chemical or biological attack. I mean, that was, really? You you can't mean that because first of all uh, these weapons are illegal, right? But he right. said that, and and whether he knew what he was saying or or, or was saying something deliberately, uh, that's bad. I mean that that hurts our relationships with our allies, with the rest of the world because nobody can stand with it. They got to back away from that's it. that's right. They can't. That's exactly right. They they can't be allied with us if we are telling the world that we're going to do something that is illegal by
1: international law uh, general let's uh, let's go to the situation on the ground in Ukraine yesterday Russia saying they were withdrawing troops the Pentagon warning that it may just be repositioning we saw bombing bombardment overnight what's the latest what's happening in Ukraine
3: well uh, what according to the press statements that were released today uh, the Russian Army has started a move or repositioning to the north, in in other words, back in the direction of Belarus. Uh, There is speculation that what they ultimately will do was make a loop around to the the north and come down into the Donbas region, and that uh, Putin is going to be willing to negotiate a settlement, a ceasefire, if he is allowed to uh, keep the Donbas region, which gives him the land bridge that he has wanted all the way down into Crimea.
1: What's the importance of the land bridge?
3: Well, it's because of the the Dardanelles, for example, that's a very narrow strait. We could shut we could shut that that strait down, you know, and Russian ships could not get up into there, and he controls uh, that part of the world uh, unless somebody wants to shut him down and prevent his ship from going in there and going to Crimea and Crimea is a major issue now for him because they control that and uh, Crimea is is a breadbasket for among other things but more importantly it's a major port there are major ports in there and uh, and he does not want to lose access to those it's an economic issue as well as a military and strategic issue
1: i'm going to go to uh, today before the House Armed Services Committee, uh, General Todd Walters, who is the U.S. European Command and NATO Supreme Allied Commander, uh, he was asked by Congressman Gallagher about whether or not the deterrence that the U.S. pursued against Russia to try to keep them from going into UK- Ukraine worked. Play clip number one, please. be fair to say that deterrence failed in Ukraine.
2: Uh, number one, I would say that NATO's solidarity remained and, and NATO's the ability to effectively question. deter remained, and, question. and, and I, I can't argue with your conclusion.
1: The deterrence that the U.S. sought was economic sanctions, and many of those sanctions were not actually deployed until after Russian troops uh, deployed into Ukraine. Is the general speaking truth there? Oh, I think he's
3: speaking truth. I also think that he's wishing that he was anywhere except before that congressional committee. Uh, I've I've kind of been there. Well, you know you just said something that was going to eventually come back to bite you. And I think he knows that uh, he he's going to get called on the carpet for that.
1: So the economic sanctions that we pursued and threatened did not deter Russia from taking the actions that they took. Will the economic sanctions that uh, are, in effect, more being talked about, in fact, we've got a a Russian trade bill that's hung up in the Senate because of other issues. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Um, Do we need more than economic sanctions? Well,
3: listen, first of all, Putin calculated the impact of those sanctions before he went into Crimea. So he went in knowing that we were going to sanction him. It's the Russian people that are going to pay the price for this. It's the it's the oligarchs that are going to pay the price. So do we need more than sanctions? Absolutely. We need to pump everything we can get to those Ukrainian soldiers in there who are just kicking the Russians all over the battlefield. You stop and think about... This is David and Goliath. You stop and think about the fact that this... the, the one hundred ninety thousand Russians, and what have, what have you got? You got an army of forty, fifty, sixty thousand Ukrainians, and they're winning against one hundred ninety thousand. Uh, I've I got to tell you, we need to give them everything we need. And I will tell you what I'm tired of. I personally am tired of hearing Jen Psaki stand up and tell America why the poll, why the uh, Ukrainians don't need those uh, Mig twenty nines. Let, the, let them decide. Jen Psaki is in no position to know whether they need him or not. In fact, nobody in America does. Let them have
1: the MiGs. Give them what we need, what we can give them. Well, they've certainly shown that what they have, they've used it uh, with great skill and precision in stopping Russia, large army. They've been, you know, they've been preparing for years for this, and they've, uh, they've stopped them dead in their tracks. General Jerry Boykin, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. All right, folks, uh, more Washington Watch to come on the other side of the break. Some good news coming out of Finland, where the minister, the former minister there, a member of parliament, Habe Rosinen, was found not guilty of hate speech. We'll be joined by one of her attorneys next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come.
5: to six seven seven four
1: two welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. Good news out of Finland in the case of Finnish member of Parliament, Pave Rosinen, A Finnish court has upheld the right to free speech by dismissing, dismissing all charges against Finnish Parliamentarian Pave Rosinen and Bishop Johanna Pajola. In a uh, unanimous ruling, the Helsinki District Court concluded that it is not for the district court to interpret biblical concepts. The prosecution was ordered to pay more than 60,000 euros in legal costs and has seven days to appeal the ruling. While this is certainly great news for Pave and Bishop Pajola, this could... Be a canary in the coal mine when it comes to the future of religious liberty in Western countries. Joining me now is ADF's International Legal Counsel, Lorcan Price. Lorcan the, is uh, was one of the representatives uh, for Pave uh, in the uh, the court case. Uh, Lorcan, welcome to Washington Watch.
6: Hi. Thank you very much for inviting me on.
1: So uh, congratulations, great news uh, for you and your uh, your client. Um, What do you make of the court's decision?
6: Well, we're very happy with the court's decision because, uh, as you say, it upholds very clearly that the function of the civil authorities is not to interpret the Bible. It's not to hold criminal charges against uh, prominent Christians and indeed anybody for clearly expressing their uh, deeply held beliefs. And in this case, their biblically held beliefs. Uh, Both Pai V. and Bishop Johanna are well-known Christians in Finland. And they took the opportunity to speak out on questions of sexuality and marriage, according to the Christian belief system, and they were prosecuted for that. And we think it's outrageous that this case ever came to court, but we are very happy with the unanimous decision of the judges to dismiss the charges today.
1: Now, the background for this, for some of our listeners and viewers that may not uh, have heard the case before, Mr. Price, was that uh, part of it was a pamphlet, a publication that dealt with uh, human sexuality, and natural marriage. And there was a tweet put out by Pave a couple of years ago. This was declared to be hate speech. And uh, that's what drove the prosecution. Is that not correct?
6: That is correct, yes. So r- really what we're talking about here is a pamphlet that was written and published by the Luther Institute in 2004. That was written by Pavey um, And uh, Bishop Johanna was uh, in charge of the Luther Institute at that point. They published the pamphlet um, it was found in the library of the Luther Institute by an LGBT activist who then made a criminal complaint. Um, subsequently then years later in, in 2018, uh, 2019, uh, the Finnish branch of the uh, Evangelical Lutheran Church um, decided to co-sponsor the Pride Parade in, in Helsinki and um, Päivi Vyrasnin objected to that on Twitter And uh, she quoted a passage of scripture or put a photograph rather of a passage of scripture uh, for Romans. And uh, this was the source of another criminal complaint. And then there was a final complaint uh, in relation to some remarks she made during the course of a radio interview with a Finnish broadcaster. So taken together, uh, three charges were brought against her and one against uh, Bishop Johanna for publishing the pamphlet in 2004. And all of these were were pushed forward by uh, the prosecutor general of Finland, who seemed to be on an ideological crusade against what she described as hate speech. And uh, in some of her public remarks, she equated uh, quoting the Bible with quoting the Koran and Mein Kampf and said that when you do these things in public and upset and offend certain protected groups in uh, society, that criminal charges can be brought against you. So um, this obviously was, it was a major shock to uh, both Bishop Johanna and for Ivy, but also to Christians and, and others who support free speech in Finland and uh, around the world. So the verdict today, uh, I think, was a real vindication of uh, freedom of speech in uh, Finland and also freedom of religion as well, obviously, and the two are closely intertwined in this case.
1: I mean, this in part um, is how these nebulous hate crime, hate speech laws can be used. In fact, we see this increasingly in Western countries where these types of laws are being used to target people of Christian faith in particular because the biblical teachings run counter to many of the policies being pushed by these governments.
6: Yes, that's very correct, unfortunately. Um, What we're seeing in, in Western Europe certainly is the proliferation of these hate speech laws. And they're grounded really on a very vague subjective test of what constitutes incitement to hatred and whether or not remarks can actually lead to hatred or uh, what the Council of Europe describes as, as socially damaging discourse. And because these concepts are so nebulous and so difficult to define in the law, we have really conflicting jurisprudence case law from across Europe about what these concepts mean in practice. And that creates a real problem when it comes to expressing views, as you say, uh, and I agree that people find uh, shocking and and, and disturbing and offensive, um, which are views that contradict, let's say, many of the orthodoxies, uh, you know, in, in modern society in relation to human sexuality, in relation to marriage, in relation to the distinction between men and women. And because these cultural battles are becoming so fraught, Um, policymakers are using hate speech laws to close down discussion and debate, and increasingly Christians find themselves at the receiving end of these kind of criminal investigations and sanctions. And unfortunately, in in Europe, we don't have the protection that uh, you're very lucky to enjoy uh, in the United States, thanks to the, the wisdom of the founding fathers to enshrine freedom of expression, freedom of speech in your constitution. We rely on certain protections in international law such as the European Convention on Human Rights. In practice, however, those protections are a lot less comprehensive than uh, are enjoyed in the United States.
1: Well, Lorcan, we we again congratulate you on a a tremendous victory, and we are so grateful for Alliance Defending Freedom and the tremendous work that you do in defending religious freedom. Um, But I do see in this a a warning sign, uh, this growing intolerance toward uh, the biblical Application—the application of biblical truth to the societies in which we live here in Western civilization. So, uh, Lorkin, thanks so much again for joining us. I know you're staying up late there in Finland to be with us, but we uh, we celebrate you celebrate with you this uh, this great
6: victory. Thank you very much for the opportunity to speak to you. Absolutely.
1: Uh, And folks, you can find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and uh, this is another example of uh, organizations like Alliance Defending Freedom, First Liberty, Liberty Council that are out there fighting for religious freedom around the globe. Again, I I just put this out there, we celebrate today for PAVE, but also it's a warning of this growing hostility and intolerance in Western countries toward religious freedom and the application of biblical truth to the world in which we live because it runs counter to these horrible policies being pushed by leftist organizations and governments. Stick with us. We're coming back with more on the other side of the break.
7: What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs.
1: You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, can con- questions, rather, continue to arise over Ketanji Brown Jackson's nomination as a Supreme Court justice, particularly regarding her light sentencing for child pornography offenders? Uh, here's a clip from uh, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell uh, on the floor earlier today.
2: In 2011, as vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission, Judge Jackson reportedly made the jaw-dropping argument that if criminals are going to recidivate, no matter what, it doesn't matter whether we lock them up for a long time or let them out early.
1: And last week, uh, Republican Senate Leader Mitch McConnell stated that he would not vote for Jackson, but despite this, Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine announced today she will vote to confirm her all but assuring her path to the Supreme Court. We'll discuss this as well as pending crisis at the border with Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona. He is a member of the House Judiciary Committee and the former chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Uh, Andy, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. Good to be with you. And by the way, congratulations on being recognized by FRC Action yesterday as one of the recipients of this year's True Blue Award. Thank you. It's an honor. Appreciate well, it. We appreciate your leadership on uh, Capitol Hill. Now, you've spoken both spoken and tweeted about Justice um, nominee Jackson. What are your thoughts as we continue to learn about her judicial philosophy, particularly regarding her leniency in multiple cases involving child pornography?
9: Well, it's a very dangerous philosophy, and it doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, and because it undermines. The, the statutory provisions which actually uh, are designed to put very dangerous criminals away from the public for a period of time. And so um, what we found out is is in at least seven cases. In fact, every case where she had someone charged with child pornography, um, she granted a, a, a sentence that was not only less, not only less than the minimum sentence guidelines, but even less than what uh, the prosecutors in the very liberal DC circuit court were requesting. So for instance, you have one, one 18 year old fellow and he's got hundreds of images of, uh, of little boys uh, being uh, molest- molested, sexually. Um, and what she chose to do is, is the guidelines were for 10 years. Prosecutors were asking for two. She gave him three months and, uh, that individual was had had to be brought back in and was sentenced to an additional six months at some point after being released. The problem is we don't know um, why that that individual was brought back in and sentenced for an additional six months. Did, did they recidivate? We just simply don't know.
1: So, Congressman Biggs, I mean, is this just a, a one time event or was there a pattern of her and leniency toward these types of cases?
9: Well, we know of seven cases that she handled uh, uh, that would fit in this child uh, possession of child sexual p- pornography, and every one of those seven. So you have a pattern here. Every one of those seven, um, she came in well below not just the not just the minimum uh, mandatory uh, federal guidelines, but also underneath what the prosecution was requesting. And 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 what I got to emphasize, I must emphasize this, is that. Is that these were these were sexual uh, molestation of children pictures, and what some of them included torture, and um, these were very some of them included violence, and the reality is those children were victims, and these these uh, these viewers of pornography um, were given. Uh, a, a basically a real break every time by this uh,
1: judge. You know, Congressman Biggs. A lot of focus has been on the fact that she refused to define woman, uh, which is obviously shows her um, well, it shows her hand when it comes to cases that are going to come before the court as it pertains to to gender and so on and so forth. Big issues for the left these days. But you know, going to this issue of the child pornography and obscenity the fact that Democrats are lining up to support her despite this I mean if we won't protect children the most vulnerable and of course she's also on the wrong side of the abortion issue I mean if we won't protect children I mean what what will we do in terms of pursuing justice
9: well, I'm, I'm, that's why we're so concerned because uh, she's, she's wrong in, in at least three big areas and we'll leave out critical race theory for now uh, and the social justice movement, but she's wrong on, on children. She's not actively going to protect children either through abortion rights and her and her uh, support um, basically unquestionably of, of abortion rights to these, these, these children, uh, who are being abused by sexual predators and then t- having that turned into pornography. So she, we know she's not going to protect children, but we also know she's not going to protect women because if you can't define women and you need a biologist, um, then you, you've got a serious problem because the, I mean, biology tells us very easily that a man is not a woman and a woman not a man. But moreover, how in the world can she sit there and logically say, that she's pleased and tell diane feinstein that she is pleased to follow in the footsteps of wonderful women uh supreme court justices when she can't even define what a a woman is and i know that that ted cruz put it to her and people said oh that was flippant it wasn't flippant it gets to a very real point she's not gonna protect women or children
1: absolutely uh we're out of time congressman biggs but very quickly what can people do to weigh in on this i know it's in the senate but can they still weigh in
9: yeah, they have, they have to contact every senator. Now, for instance, if you live in Arizona, you should let Mark Kelly and, and Kirsten Sinema know. They'll be voting on this.
1: Wherever you live, let your senators know
9: that okay. she's not fit to be a Supreme Court justice.
1: All right, thank you, Andy, for being with us. Folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, more collusion. Want to find out about it? Well, stick with us. We're talking about it.
10: Visit frc.org slash internships to apply.
0: Welcome back.
1: I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch. For those of you who have already responded this week to my request for assistance, thank you. If not, what are you waiting for? Just kidding. Although um, your input would be uh, very helpful as we direct our efforts and energies in promoting Washington Watch in the right direction venues, light, right uh, delivery mechanisms, whether you listen on radio, whether you watch uh, on the website, whether you watch on one of the TV platforms, NRB TV, whatever it is, it'd be helpful if we knew. So let me know how you watch or listen to Washington Watch. Simply text the word POLL to 67742. I'll send you back a list of ways you just kind of check which one it is, and uh, that'll help us going forward. Again, text the word POLL to 67742. Republican legislators on the House Select Committee on the coronavirus crisis released a report that reveals a CDC official's testimony claiming that the agency colluded with teachers unions in crafting its school reopening guidance. Now, this comes despite the agency's claims that such coordination was non-political. The report says that emails between the American Federation of Teachers, the White House, and the CDC demonstrates the ATF's AFT's rather, cozy relationship with the Biden administration's political leadership at the CDC's positioning the union uh, to have the ability to impose line-by-line edits to the reopening guidance, despite the CDC's past practice to keep draft guidance confidential. Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Jody Heiss. He serves as a member of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform and the House Committee on Natural Resources. He is from the state of Georgia. Jody, welcome back to the program.
0: Great to be with you, Tony. Thanks for having me.
1: And by the way, uh, congratulations on being recognized by FRC Action yesterday as a true blue member of Congress voting 100% with uh, FRC Action's Faith, Family, and Freedom scorecard.
0: Well, thank you very much for that, Tony. It's an honor to stand for our Christian values. And, uh, boy, I tell you the leadership that you and FRC provide to myself and other members of Congress, is just uh, uh, unquestionably powerful and deeply appreciated. So uh, it's an honor to receive the True Blue Award again this year and uh, again for all that you do. Thank you so much.
1: Well, appreciate that. Let's jump into this. The, the school reopening guidelines makes more sense now that we know that it wasn't parents that were engaged in it; it was the teacher unions that were helping craft them line by line. Tell us about it.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievable. Whatever happened to follow the science? That's all the Democrats were screaming while we were going through the pandemic and and a host of other issues for that matter. They always scream, follow the science, follow the science. Well, where's the science when it comes to the CDC relying upon the American Federation of Teachers Union to provide guidance for when schools are going to be open and closed? Uh, This was nothing but a political maneuver. Uh, I think it's important, Tony, for people to understand that the Teachers Union uh, of America gave uh, close to $50 million to Democratic candidates. Uh, And so here is the administration working through the CDC to give the Teachers Union what they wanted because this was a massively huge donor, I believe the second largest donor to the Democratic Party. And so uh, this was a, an attempt that was purely political, all about giving the teachers union, their big donor, what they wanted.
1: Now, okay, this would be fine if the children were in the equation, but the children were left out of the equation, which is supposed to be what education is all about.
0: That's right. The children were left out of the equation, and many of them suffered uh, mentally, they, socially, uh, a- academically, obviously. We had thousands of schools closed all throughout the country, and this is the reason why. And so, yeah, it was uh, absolutely the children were left out of the equation. And again, I would add that also science was left out of the equation. This was purely a political move from the Democratic Party uh, and the administration, the Biden administration, to pay back and give to their large donor what they requested.
1: Well, I'll have to say I'm not surprised that science was left out of the equation because science has been left out of the whole coronavirus response by this administration. Nothing has been driven by science. In fact, you know, when these guidelines came out, there were questions raised by you and others about uh, the connectedness with the teacher unions, which they batted down saying, look, this non non-political. It's all being driven by the science. But now we know this is nothing but politics, and the administration was not truthful about it. What else might they be misleading us about?
0: Yeah, look, I mean, we can go right down the line during this pandemic. We we had mask mandates. We first were, were going to have just a, a couple of weeks of this thing to get behind us. Then it's one mask, it's two masks, it's then then we need a vaccine. Then all of a sudden we have a vaccine. Now everybody's got to take the vaccine. Oh, and now one vaccine isn't enough. We've got to have a booster. Oh, and by the way, now we need a second booster and sometimes a third booster. Uh, look, this this whole thing has been a political attempt to control the lives of the American people. And this is a frightening pathway for our government to go down whereby the American people are literally held hostage to the federal government, be it children in schools, or be it an individual going to work, and they are being told you have the have to take a, a vaccination shot that you may not want to have or lose your job. The choice is yours, no pressure. But listen, this type of stuff was just uh, an uncanny attempt, an overreach of power by our federal government into the lives of the American people. And what's fearful to me, Tony, is so often once this type of power grab takes place, it's very difficult to get those liberties back. Once the American people are accustomed to having the federal government dictate uh, certain areas of their life, uh, the government tends to... Uh, you, you give them an inch and they become a ruler. Right. I mean, literally, and that's uh, it. Works with the the whole school issue as well. And the federal government's trying to rule our lives.
1: Yeah, it was interesting today. The president had his uh, coronavirus uh, update. Uh, I watched his press conference on that, thinking maybe, maybe he would yield to the request of the airline industry, the request of states, uh, even the lawsuit that we filed against the mask mandates. But no. Uh, he's not pulling back on the mandates, but he did encourage people to get their second booster. Uh, so still following the uh, the same song and dance, uh, regardless of what the science is uh, saying. Jody Heiss, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Appreciate your leadership on Capitol Hill. Thank you, Tony. Jody Heiss from Georgia. To find out more, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com. By the way. Uh, I was watching the president's uh, press conference t- today, and he started it out with this statement. I just want to play it again because I, I want to underscore, and I'm not nitpicking, but I, I am saying this-, this administration is not honest in how they uh, portray things. I-, I want to play this clip for you, clip number three.
2: Compared to 2020, we're reducing the size of the deficit relative to our economy by almost two-thirds, reducing inflationary pressures and making real headway cleaning up the fiscal mess I inherited. After my, president's, my, my, me, my predecessor's fiscal mismanagement, we were reducing the Trump deficits and returning our fiscal house to order.
1: That, that clip was uh, from earlier. It was actually from yesterday. But he, uh, he, he said the same thing again today. And what he is doing when he's talking about deficit reduction He's taking the coronavirus relief funds, that, those one-time funds that were interjected uh, both by his administration last year as well as previously during the height of the virus, the pandemic, by the previous administration. So th- he's, they're using a bloated budget that includes one-time spending in response to the pandemic as the, the baseline saying that, well, we're not spending that $1 trillion this year, so we've reduced the deficit in the budget. It's just, it's disingenuous in the way they portray this. All right, I want to stick with the education issue for just a moment. Uh, you know, we've discussed here many times the left has a well-documented agenda to indoctrinate school children in uh, response like With the bill passed in Florida, seven states have passed laws that ban teaching of critical race theory in K-12 education. But a recent investigation by Accuracy in Media revealed school uh, school districts can easily evade such laws simply by calling their CRT lessons by a different name. Uh, Accuracy in Media exposed this happening in Tennessee and Idaho, but these were just two of many examples of parental rights being trampled In the classroom by educational administrators and teachers. Um, Even as so many students have fallen behind the past few years due to the COVID restrictions in remote classrooms, we're not focusing on the core curriculum issues. Here to talk uh, talk with us about this and more is Meg Kilgannon, Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. Meg, welcome back.
11: Thanks for having me back, Tony.
1: So we have some uh, undercover video that shows that they're circumventing the law. They're violating the law.
11: Right. They, they want to get this, this material to students, right? They want to teach these concepts in the classroom. And so if it is prohibited by law it, uh, in one form, they will slip it under the radar in another form. They talked about using social-emotional learning and mental health, uh, as the code words to hide this kind of information. And, um, you know, we've, we have our paper on the website, SPLC's uh, Radical Learning for Justice. They That paper um, outlines how... The Southern Poverty Law Center has relationships with teacher colleges all over the country, and one of them is in Boise, Idaho. And so they've been working in that state for many, many years, decades, to produce the kind of teachers who think that this is critical information for students to have, and they are they are 100% taught, the teachers themselves are indoctrinated in the necessity for this kind of material to go into the classroom. And so, of course, they're perfectly willing to subvert the will of the
1: legislature. I mean, this is a violation of the law. So how how do we hold them accountable?
11: Um, The vigilance. The, this explosion of, of interest you've seen on the part of parents in terms of engaging with their children on, on what they're being taught and going to the school board meetings, meeting with your child's teachers, knowing who their teachers are, and explaining what your expectations are. I mean, that kind of vigilance is what's necessary.
1: And in some of these laws that have been passed, we've seen a right of action uh, in the legislat- in the legislation for the parents. And so, I mean, I, I, as a former legislator, I know that uh, passing a law isn't even half of the battle. Right. The enforcement is the bulk of the battle because they they will circumvent it. And unless you have an enforcement mechanism and there is a penalty for not doing it, it's not going to happen.
11: Well, and we also have to attack the, the foundations on which these ideologies rest. I mean, they it needs to be understood by not just our supporters, but everyone, that ideologies like critical race theory and queer theory are Marxist ideologies, and they are they designed to break people down in order to foment revolution for economic right. ends. And right. this, is, this is not what education's about.
1: And this has been accelerating in our public schools and our government schools over the last decade. Yes. And, and, I mean, it has reached a critical point.
11: Yes. It, it, the long march through the institutions that people refer to, right. that, that's, that they're referring to higher ed. But the people that have made that long march are the people who are forming the teachers that are teaching our children in, in, in grade school and well, high school.
1: I know I beat this drum a lot, but uh, parents, you know, God has given you both the authority and the responsibility to educate your, your children. And, you know, as parents, we can delegate the authority you know, but we can never delegate the responsibility and we'll be held accountable by God for how we raise our children. And so I think it's extremely important now that we are a engaged because even if we can't get, even if we can get our children out of public schools, we've homeschooled our kids. That's a great option. Private schools, more churches are coming together to create uh, other co-ops and different types of options, but there's still going to be the the bulk of kids for the foreseeable future are going to be trapped in these government indoctrination centers, and the only way to begin to bring you know, reason and, and, and salvage public education is going to be by parents getting involved, running for school boards, Christians becoming teachers in the classroom. Yes. We can't abandon the public schools, but we shouldn't sacrifice our children to them.
11: Absolutely. There are wonderful Christian teachers in public schools right now. And when parents engage at the school board level and they engage with teachers, it really helps uh, it, it Helps make it possible for those Christian teachers to, to be more engaged in governance processes within their schools and to represent the worldview that we know is so absent from that space uh, from the top down. We're going to have to bring it in right. from the bottom up.
1: Well, given the, uh, the darkness of the hour and the culture in which we live, having Christian teachers and administrators in our public schools, in these government schools, is probably the only light some of these children will ever see.
11: Sure. And and they, you know, we do need to appreciate the value of the institution of public education for so many children, who who are coming from chaotic home environments. The family is in crisis, and the schools do meet the gap in that to a large degree. And that's part of the pressure that's on them that allows the stuff. Shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be that way. Exactly. We can have a conversation about why, you know, or or what we could do differently. But that is the 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 situation on the ground.
1: Very quickly, Meg. Um, FRC Action has some resources for those engaging in education.
11: We do. They are at www.frcaction.org/schools. We have our school board boot camp. Lots of videos there. We're going to have a new one out soon on how to raise money for groups and for candidacies and for running for office. And uh, we're uh, the Worldview team is doing a, a program on April 12th, I believe, on how to how your church can start a school.
1: Okay. So, Great time. Very timely. very timely. Meg Kilgannon, always great to have you on the program.
11: Thank you. Thanks Appreciate it.
1: Folks, always great to have you with us as well. Text the word "poll" to 67742 and let me know how you watch or listen to Washington Watch. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, When you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.